Christ is that being rescued from sin. Oh, if you'd open your Bibles to the book of... Um, uh, open it to John chapter number 1. John chapter number 1. Um, John chapter number 1. And uh, if you'll stand with me, we'll read some verses and then we'll pray. Um, John chapter 1. Going back and forth on where to start here and on what verse and um, just asking the Lord to uh, show us here. But uh, John chapter number one, we'll start in verses uh, one and two there. Uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And then look down in verse number 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity and, uh, to get up here and preach. And uh, Lord, I, I, w- I want to lift up you. I want to lift up your name. I want to lift up your word. And uh, Lord, I, I pray that you'd get me out of the way and just uh, arrange my thoughts or arrange everything according to the way that uh, you would have it said. And uh, Lord, I, I pray that as you lead me, I, I would just rest in you. And in your, in your leading, Lord, I'd have a boldness to say exactly what you want me to say. And Lord, that you would work in each one of our hearts here tonight. I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, I want to talk to you tonight about sufficient. Uh, God's word is sufficient. Uh, there's, a, there's a song by that name. I, I love that song. I listen to it all the time. It's on, it's on, my, on my, uh, my favorites list. And I listen to it uh, about three or four times on my way into church tonight. Uh, God's word is sufficient. And I, I really just want to lift up his word tonight. And um, uh, one of the neat things is, um, uh, you know, some things about, the, the, about Christianity and about God's word is, is hard to explain to people. Um, and some of it's hard for us to grasp, okay? Uh, take, for instance, uh, God being three in one. And uh, how do you explain that? Um, and man, uh, one of the kids came up and asked me, um, well, if God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are all one, who sits on the throne in heaven? And I was like, well, God does. They said, yeah, but it says that Jesus is seated on the right hand of the throne of God. I was like, guys, that's too much for me. You know, I don't know how to explain it. I just know it's going to be. And when we get to heaven, you, you'll be able to look at that and you'll understand that. Kind of like this here, um, verse number 14 says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, Verse one, in the beginning was the word and word was with God and the word was God. Um, How do you explain that? Uh, This Bible that I have here is God. Well, how do you explain that? And I don't know how to do that. I can't explain it. It's one of those things I just believe. Because that's what God said. I'm supposed to come to him with the faith as of a little child. Um, by the way, I will tell you this, and this is just a, a plug for God's word. Um, you, you know, when I look at that and this being God, um, I like to have something that I can hold there when I go to the Bible. Now, now I don't shoot you down if, if you read your Bible on a phone or on a tablet or something like that. Um, uh, and this is all free. This isn't a part of the message, but... Um, I think it's good to have a physical copy of it that you can have there. Uh, it, it sets it apart. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, um, and my, my phone's sitting over there. I do a lot of things on my phone. 
Uh, they, man, I get notifications. I, I stay busy on my phone. Um, I contact people, whether that be calls, texts, emails. Um, man, I will scroll marketplace. Um, I, I like to see what's for sale out there. I will scroll that on my phone. Um, there are a lot of things I do on my phone. And so when I'm there on my phone and I have it out there and I, I use that, and I've, I've had different times where I've had to use that as Bible or something and, and, and read in that. It is so easy to be distracted. And, um, man, I like something that I have there that it's like, okay, no, this, this is God and I. This is not God, I, and Facebook or God, I, and text and, and all that. And I know I'm stepping probably on a lot of people's toes. And here, here's the thing. You may, you may need to. And I, I don't shoot you down if you need that. My mom, she had eye problems and um, has uh, a lot of things she just can't hardly do anymore. And so she reads the Bible on a tablet. And, and thank God for that. She can Bring that up, um, really big font, and not, not have a problem. Don't tell my mom I said she needs really big font. That, I might get in trouble. But um, you know what? She can bring that up, and she can still spend time with God's Word. And I'm thankful for technology, that, that we have that ability. But, man, there's something with just getting along, alone with God, and it's God and I. I'm not having the distractions. I'm not having all that. Man, I'm marking here. And I know you can make markings and stuff like that digitally and stuff. But, man, there's something to holding the Word of God in your hands. And, and that's all free. If you have something else, don't worry. That's just Hans theology right there. And um, so you, you could do with what, that what you want. But man, I'm thankful I have a copy of God's word and um, that I can go to. And I'm thankful for that. But I really want to lift up his word tonight and just the sufficiency of God's word. That God's word is, is all sufficient. And, and we know the power of God's word. We, we think of Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Um, man, the power of God's word. Um, I, I remember a long time ago, my grandpa telling me, and my, my grandpa was never a pastor, um, but uh, he helped out in the church. He was a deacon. He was on pulpit committees. Uh, he was um, actually there near the end of his life. He was made a, a visitation pastor. And um, man, he was always going to the hospital and seeing someone. And he, and he told me this. He said, Adam, anytime you go to visit someone, leave them with a verse. Because long after they forgot everything you've said, that word of God will make a difference in them. Why? The power in the Word of God. Man, the power in that. That's why it's so important. Man, we share the Scriptures with people. Man, you ever have someone ask you, well, well, well why do you do that? Well, why do you live like that? Well, maybe it's, why do you go to church that many times? Why do you dress like that? Why don't you talk this way? Why don't you go to these places? And, and you want, unfortunately, there have been many times, and I'm thankful for people who hold a standard and may not be able to quote a verse for it, but, but they know it's in God's word, and, and, and so they hold that. But man, I, unfortunately, I think we miss out on a lot of opportunities because we end up trying to explain it to someone like they're going to understand as a lost person. Man, when I'm telling someone, oh, oh I tithe, I give 10%, and I try and explain that, I say, well, you know, the Lord just commands. I mean, they're, they're going to look at me like, what is, what, what is wrong with you? Man, leave them with a verse. It, it's not my words that cut to the heart of the matter and, man, will, will expose sin. or do, Man, that's God's word. Man, you, you ought to know God's word. And, and, and here's the thing I try to do. If I'm ever out, maybe it's witnessing or I'm talking with someone, and someone asks me something, and I don't have a biblical answer for them. 
And I can tell them, well, I, well, the Bible says something along these lines and stuff. And that's kind of where I got it from. I, I try to make sure I go home and the next time someone asks me that question, I've got a biblical answer for them. You know, there's nothing wrong with saying at the time, man, I, I, I don't really know. I have to get back with you. There is something wrong when we repeatedly have all to give them is our thoughts on it. Man, we ought to have a biblical answer. Why? God's word is powerful. Your word means nothing, okay? Sorry if, if I hurt your feelings, but, but th- that's the truth right there. Am I, am I right? Man, it's God's word where the power is. Um, I think of 2 Timothy 3.16 where it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I, I love that verse. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Man, God breathed that. All scripture, um, the complete scripture. God gave us the complete scripture. I don't have time to get into why, why these books are in the Bible and why some others aren't and stuff like that. Pastor preached a phenomenal message on that a few months ago. You can go back and look at that. And, um, but, um, man, all scripture was given by God. It was breathed by God. God gave that. Hey, it wasn't some man sitting down and saying, hey, you know what? This, this seems like a good point here. I'm going to write this down. No, the Bible says, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Man, that, that scripture was given by God. But then it says, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. For doctrine, what is right. For reproof, what is wrong. For correction, how to get right. For instruction in righteousness, how to stay right. Man, the Bible has the answer to any question we have. Now, does the Bible always say, thou shalt or thou shalt not in a situation? No. Um, For instance, when I moved down here to Georgia, um, the Bible did not say, thou shalt move to Georgia. Okay, It, it, it didn't have that. But there are principles that God has laid out in his word. How do I find his will? How do I follow his word? That I was able to go to the Bible and I have verses on why I moved to Georgia. Now, again, it doesn't say thou shalt move to Georgia. But man, God lays out his will. And if we just simply go to his word, his word is sufficient. No matter what issue we go through. No matter what problem there is, no matter what question we have, there is an answer in his word. Um, man, as Baptists, we believe in the supreme authority of the Bible in all matters of faith and practice. And you know, we believe in the supremacy of that authority of the Bible in all matters of faith and practice. Um, I, I like that. I like that that's in our beliefs because here's the thing. I, be, I go to the Bible in all matters of faith. So what do I believe? Well, if the Bible says it, that's what I believe. And, um, and, and by the way, this is something that we would say as a church. Um, each one of us has to make that individual decision. And um, I will tell you this. Even just saying, well, I believe the Bible in all matters of faith. And sometimes I, I run against something that I got to look and say, well, am I going to trust God on this or am I going to do what makes sense to me? So it, it's not just a catchphrase that we throw out there. And now all of a sudden I'm good with God. Man, I have to work on that, and I have to put my faith in that. But we believe in the supreme authority of the Scriptures in all matter of faith and practice. And, man, I like to say that, too, that I believe God's Word is the authority in all matters that I practice, in all areas of my life. But there again, that's something that how many times do I got to go back to God's Word, and I've got to check where I'm at on that. Man, any of you ever had something in your life 
that someone came and showed you a verse and said, man, here's what God's word says on that. You were faced with a decision, right? Okay, am I going to believe God's word? Am I going to stand on that? Or am I going to make my own decision? I, I preached not that long ago uh, on the Bible and making convictions in our life and the importance of making convictions from God's word, not just how I feel about it. Because can I tell you the truth? Man, there are a lot of convictions that I ought to have based on God's word that I don't really feel like holding to. Um, why? Because I'm in the flesh. You're in the flesh. Man, the, the flesh is, goes contrary to God. And, and there are verses on that. And that, that's not a message on all that. But God gave us the word for every aspect of life. Every area, every situation, every problem, everything we go through, God's word has the answer. Um, and I, I choose whether I believe that or not. I choose whether I follow that or not. But here's the thing. God's word is sufficient in any area of life. And I, I want to take some time tonight and just look at the sufficiency of God's word, how God comes through every time and the power of his word. So if you will, turn with me to Genesis chapter number one. Genesis chapter number one. I, I won't have you turn to most of the scriptures. I, 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 we've got a bunch we're going to go through. But I do want you to look at Genesis chapter one because it's hard to cover this without looking at it. We see God's word was sufficient when it came to creation. Verse number one, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God looked there and he said, let there be light. And it just was. Now... There again, some things, it's, it's hard to explain. Um, uh, on this, the world doesn't have a better answer. They, they try and say a, a big bang, that something came from nothing, and hence, here we are. And uh, th that's crazy. Um, but God said it, and bang, it was there. God said, let there be light, and there was light. He didn't have to come down and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take all this fire and I'm going to put it together and I'm going to hang a sun here. And, you know, he, he didn't have to do that. God said, let there be light, and there was light. There, there's light if there's no sun, no moon. When God says, let there be light, there's light. As a matter of fact, in heaven, there is no sun, moon, or stars there. Jesus is the light. And when he says, let there be light, there is light. And, and I don't have time to look at all these, but... I'll mention a couple of these verses real quick, and you can look down at them. Verse 6, and God said. Verse 9, verse 11, verse 14, verse 20, verse 24, verse 26, verse 28, verse 29. And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and there was. God made it. How? By the power of his word. God's word is sufficient. Man, I, I, I love that, and I love this point here because Everything goes all the way back to the beginning. All these other things that I'm looking at, God's word being sufficient in all the different areas of life, man, it all goes back to the beginning that we are here because he said. He, he created. His word is sufficient. And I love that. I love that his word is sufficient for cleansing, for cleansing. Um, Matthew chapter 8, verses 2 and 3 says, And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. 
And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Man, I love that. God's word was sufficient for cleansing. Man, this leper came to Christ, and he's there, and um, we don't know really anything else about him. Here he is, someone with leprosy, and he comes before God, and he simply says, you, if you want to, you can make me clean. If you're willing, you can make me clean. And God touches him and says, I will, be thou clean. And his leprosy was gone. Man, he didn't have to go home and wait for the sores to heal. He didn't have to go home and wait for a healing to come. Man, God said it, and boom, it was done. I think of Naaman as he had leprosy, and God had him do something because of his pride, and he had to dip seven times in the Jordan River. And as he went down and he came back out that seventh time, the Bible says his uh, flesh became as the skin of a little child. Um, and man, there, there was no blemish. It was, he was completely healed. The sufficiency of God's word for healing. Man, I'm thankful for that. This one here, this leprosy. Leprosy in the Bible is a picture of sin. Man, how many of us have come to God for a, a cleansing from sin? I'm thankful for salvation, and I'm going to get to that in a second. But even as saved individuals, how many times do we got to come to God for a healing from sin? Lord, I'm sorry I failed you again. Lord, I know I asked you to forgive me for this sin. And Lord, I've been fighting. I've been trying to get victory. Lord, I need a healing. I need you to get rid of this. I need this cleansing. Lord, I need you to clean me from this. And his word is sufficient. And he offers that cleansing. I will be thou clean. Man, I think of, um, as I have um, gone through different things in my life and looked for victory over sin, and um, uh, man, times when I've had to go and say, how do I get right and how do I get victory over these besetting sins? These things where Satan comes in and he attacks, and um, man, he has a stronghold in my life. I have given ground to Satan, and I don't have time to set all that up, but where I have given Satan ground in my life and I've given into sin and he has a stronghold in my life and I'm coming back looking for that cleansing. Lord, I've got to get him out. I've got to take back that ground. I've got to build a stronghold for you. And God offers a cleansing. Uh, the Bible says in Psalms 119 verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? According to thy word. Man, how do I clean myself up? Man, when I'm out there and I'm witnessing to people and they're like, oh, you know what, I'm not, I'm not ready to get saved yet. I've got a lot of things in my life I've I got to take care of before I can come to him. Man, there's no hope for that. Man, I, I can't clean myself up. That only comes through his word. But his word is sufficient. Man, when I come to him, he offers a cleansing I think of uh, John 15, 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And he offers cleansing. And I'm thankful for that, the cleansing that comes from him. Uh, the saving power in his word. His word is sufficient for saving. Um, in uh, Matthew chapter number 9, uh, verses 2 and 5, and we're going to look at part of the beginning of the story and part of the last on the next point. But uh, Matthew 9, 2 through 5 says, And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, 
Be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. Here, you, you know the story. The four men bring, uh, bring this uh, man sick of the palsy to, to the Lord. And um, they bring him there. And Jesus looks at him and he says, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. It, it, important thing there, when he saw their faith, um, it doesn't say he saw this man's faith. Uh, the Bible never tells us if this guy wanted to go see Jesus. He just had four guys who were like, uh, you're going to see Jesus. And um, when Jesus saw their faith, and man, it, it reminds me this. Um, how many times have I had someone that I'm praying for salvation for, that I keep working on, and I'm praying that God would give an opportunity to witness, and I'm looking for someone to get saved, and, and they seem resistant to it. Man, keep on. Jesus saw their faith, the faith of these four men, and he said, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And, uh, man, the importance of that, I, I love stories. Um, I, I love, uh, who was it? Um, one of the preachers, he preached. Uh, who was the guy who did the orphanage? Um, I, the, the old George Mueller, yeah, the orphanages over in England. And he was there, and uh, he prayed for four friends to get saved, four friends. He prayed. It was a long time. Uh, for the first one, it was like three or four years, I think. And that first one got saved, and he kept praying. Then it was like 18 years before the second one got saved. And he kept praying and praying. He died. After his death, the other two got saved. Man, someone coming to God on behalf of someone else. And I see that with these guys, but that's not my message here tonight. But um, keep praying for people. But... Um, Man, as he looked in, and he looks and he says, son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. It was the word of God that offers that. Um, those, those scribes started making, uh, man, what's this guy's problem? This guy's blasphemy. Who does he think he is to forgive sins? They didn't know that it wouldn't be too long. And in John 19, 30, Jesus would say, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. He was the only one who could forgive sins. He was the one who was going to offer forgiveness to all mankind. The word of his mouth. The word of his mouth offers that saving. I think of in Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Man, his word is sufficient for salvation. Man, I, I tell you what, when I think of that, I think of how much of his word am I giving out for that. Um, Brother Jeremiah mentioned in Sunday school with the teen guys about the importance of giving, uh, when you go to give the gospel, giving the word of God, using the word of God with them. Why? Because it's not our words that save. It's his word that saves. And his word is sufficient. Man, I'm thankful for the sufficiency of his word for healing. For healing. That same story there in Matthew chapter 9, where it talks about the man, man sick of the palsy, and they bring him in. And Jesus said, Thy sons be forgiven thee. And the scribes complain, and he's like, what, what, What's your problem here? He says, It's easier to say, Thy, sons, thy sins be forgiven thee, or uh, arise and walk. He turns back to the man in verse 6 and says, But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. And he arose. And departed to his house. Uh, man, God's word is sufficient for healing. And this kind of goes along some with cleansing and salvation as well. But man, for that healing, 
God simply looked at this man, sick of the palsy. He couldn't get up. He couldn't walk. And he's like, arise, take up thy bed and walk. And the guy gets up and picks up his bed and takes off walking. Man, here again, I mentioned uh, uh, like um, uh, with Naaman, like the skin is of a little child. Here this guy is. He's been sick of the palsy. He hasn't walked. And, and, and you know how it is. Any of you ever been sick for a period of time and stuff? And, and you go through that sickness and you get up and you're weak? And you got to get your strength restored, and, and then you got to build muscles and stuff. Different ones who have broken different bones and have been off them for, for months and stuff like that as they're healing. And then you go and you start, and it's like, oh man, I, I've got to build up all my strength again. There's no, there's no muscle mass there. Here, this guy has been laying down. He can't walk, can't do anything. And Jesus says, Arise, take up thy bed and walk. And he gets up, picks up his bed, and takes off walking. All the strength he needs. Why? Because God, when God brings a healing, he brings a healing. He doesn't do things halfway. And um, man, I look at that. His word was sufficient for the healing of this man. His word is sufficient for us spiritually as well. Psalms 107 verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Um, Man, sometimes I look at this and again, it's hard to explain everything from as a Christian, to the world, and things like that. Here these people are, and he says, he's got to save them from their destructions. So you think he would send something to help. You know? I mean, you think of that if, oh, oh, someone's fighting a battle. Well, send them an army, right? Is, is that not what we do as America? We look and say, hey, we got to send them some weapons. we got to send an army. we gotta, we got to deal with that. Um, someone is struggling financially. It's, uh, hey, we got to send them some money, right? I, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a physical thing. There's a physical problem. You, you solve it physically. And yet, when he says here he's going to save them from their destructions, he simply says he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Man, his word, the power in his word. I think of this as I'm looking at a healing Psalms 119 verse 11 says, I word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Man, I, I talked about a cleansing and getting that sin out of our life. But man, I, I want a healing. When, when, I'm, when I'm looking at my life and I've given ground to Satan, if you will, and I've, I've allowed sin in my life, and if this platform here was my heart, and um, man, I, I've given ground to Satan and, and I have opened the door to him in some way or another. And I have opened that door, and he has come in. And then he sets up residence, and he builds his stronghold there, and he, he, uh, he sets up his stronghold there in my life. And then I keep struggling with the sin. And, and I try and get it right, and I try and say, God, forgive me for the sin. I'm sorry that I've done this. But he's got this stronghold in my life. And so I'm asking God to forgive me, and, and that stronghold is there. And I'm like, Lord, give me a cleansing. Give me a cleansing from the sin. And when I go to God and I apologize for my sin, and he gives that cleansing, man, I need a healing too. And that healing, I need this stronghold taken out of my life. I need this stronghold destroyed, and I need to reclaim that ground for God, and I need to build a stronghold in my life for God. Okay? Sin in my life. Um, besetting sins. You ever had one of those things? Where... Man, it seems like no matter how many times I ask God to forgive me and I try and make it right, and I keep falling into the same thing, and it's there, and it's there. Why? I've given Satan that stronghold in my life. I need not just a cleansing. I need a healing. I need God to tear down that stronghold, and I need to build strongholds in my life. How do I do that? 
Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. His word does that. And the power in his word. I, um, I, uh, when I talk with someone and they tell me I'm struggling with this or um, I, I, I'm, I'm fighting this sin or I'm doing that, I'm always like, okay, find out what the Bible says about that sin. Uh, find out what it says about that. Man, I have given out more verses on uh, anger and not being able to control our attitudes than just about anything else. Um, and I know you, you probably never struggle with that, but um, some people do. And um, I can't tell you how many times I've sent a text message with here's all these verses, or I've written it down on a paper and I've given it to them. And you're like, how do you know the verses for that? Because I had to memorize those verses. Man, I remember, I know, I know it's hard to believe, but, um, you know, when I was much, much younger, um, I, I, had a, I had a real attitude problem. And uh, my, I remember my dad repeatedly giving me counsel on my attitude problem. And I remember him coming and saying, Adam, it, it's not working. It's not working. And my dad was a convincing counselor. And um, he's like, it's not working. You keep facing this. My dad giving me Bible verses that I give to others now and giving me those Bible verses and making me memorize them. Why? Because there's healing in his word. His word is sufficient. And going to that, I read this story about Corey Ten Boom. And uh, I'm going to read this to you. If, if you don't know Corey Ten Boom, she was uh, a prisoner of the Nazis and uh, taken to a concentration camp with her sister, Betsy. And um, uh, Bessie, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, I, I could never do justice of the story, but someone worth um, looking up and studying that story. Um, but this was a story she gave about the first time she sees a former SS officer who was the one there where they would strip them naked and send them into the showers and, and just the horrible things of the concentration camps. And this was her testimony on it. It was at a church service in Munich that I saw him, a former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center at Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. And suddenly it was all there. The room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, Betsy's pain-blanched face. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said, to think that as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine. And I, who had preached so often to the people in Blomendal, the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I prayed, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm, and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him. While in my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world's healings hinges, but on his. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives along with the command, the love itself. The sufficiency 
of his word for healing. She didn't necessarily quote a verse in there. Did you not hear all the scriptures in there? Being willing to forgive, to love our enemies. Man, what gave her the strength to do that? The power of his word. And there is a healing in his word. I dare say forgiving that man meant a whole lot more to her than it did to him. Man, forgiveness is hard. The healing of his word, going to his word, his word is sufficient. I'm thankful for this. His word is sufficient for resurrection. Uh, John 11, I, I looked at that this morning with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and uh, Lazarus has died, and, and Jesus comes back. Now he's been dead four days, and he's laying in that grave, and um, Jesus weeps with them as he sees them weeping, and, and the whole story, and yet then Jesus looks, and uh, he tells them to roll away the grave, the, the stone, gravestone, and they're like, uh, Lord, he stinketh, and um, some of us don't have to be dead for that, but... Um, uh, he tells him, roll away the, the stone there. And this is what it says in John eleven forty three. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Man, I, I thought about this. Jesus didn't have to go in there and give him mouth to mouth. Jesus didn't have to go in there and start doing compressions on his chest. And uh, last time I did compressions on a dummy, everybody laughed at me, told me I killed the dummy. Um, but... Um, so don't, don't let your heart stop beating around me or you'd be that dummy, I guess. And it may not be good if I'm trying to help. But um, Jesus didn't have to do that. Hey, Jesus didn't even have to like Elisha had to do. Remember Elisha as he comes back? And um, that, that child, and I don't have a story to go into the whole story on how that, I don't have time to go into the whole story on how, how that child came there. And that was a miracle of God. But then that baby dies and the mom comes and says, my child is dead. And Elisha goes back and he, he sends Gehazi, go lay my staff on him, tell him to get up and it doesn't work. And then Elisha goes there and Elisha goes and the Bible says he stretches himself over that child and he prays and, and, and all of that. And he has to do all that. Jesus doesn't have to do that. Jesus says, hey, roll that stone away because he's about to come out. Hey, Lazarus come forth and his word is sufficient. Man, for that resurrection, and I'm thankful for that. We see that Jesus had told Martha already in verses 25 and 26, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Man, Jesus is the resurrection and life. When he spoke that word, Lazarus got up and came out. Man, the resurrection that is offered there, and obviously he could make the physically dead alive, uh, but also spiritually for us. Man, I think of Romans 5, 18 and 19. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto, life, unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Man, the resurrection that comes through the power of his word. Power of his word. His word is sufficient. Man, I'm thankful, and, and I'm hurrying here. The victory over Satan. The victory over Satan, and I talked about that some there with the uh, 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 strongholds in our life. Uh, Matthew 3, 3 and 4 says, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, 
Command that these stones be made bread. Jesus here has been in the wilderness 40 days, 40 nights, no food. He's starving. And here he is out here and Satan comes to tempt him. And he tempts him three times, you know, with the stones to bread, takes him on the pinnacle of the temple to throw down the angels, protect you. Takes him up, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and says, man, I'll give all this to you if you'll bow the knee. Three times Satan tempts him. And Jesus answers the same way. Jesus answers him in verse four, but he answered and said, it is written. What was he quoting? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He was quoting to Satan the word of God. Here's the thing. God in the flesh, standing there, Satan attacking him. Jesus could have looked at him and said, you know what? I'm totally done with you. Cease to exist. All right? He's God. It could have. But how does Jesus respond to those temptations? It is written. The power of God's word for victory over Satan. Again, we have those strongholds in our life. We have temptations that attack. Man, Satan is always fighting us, right? He is that roaring lion, walketh about, seeketh whom he may devour. It is a battle. He is fighting against us. And we have all the ammo we need. His word is sufficient. Man, there is victory over Satan through his word. And, um, um, I, I think of this, the Bible tells us in Ephesians six seventeen, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. What is this great weapon that we wield, this sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. His word is sufficient. Man, it is sufficient in victory over all. I love these verses in Revelations 19, 11, and 16. And, and this is the end time, and you got the battle of Armageddon and all. It says, and I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. Amen. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And how do they defeat this army? Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Who is that coming back? Jesus Christ. And he's got a name there, the Word of God. We already looked at that in John 1, right? The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, the word of God. And how does he overcome it? I, I, I love this story. It, here it is, Armageddon. You have the Antichrist and all his armies and all the forces of earth, if you will, gathered together there to fight. Jesus is coming back. We're coming with him. I'm coming with him. I know that. And I pray you are too. We're, we're coming back. Those who are saved, we're coming back with him to, for this battle. But I, I'm really not fighting because I'm just with the victor. Because it's the word of his mouth. The word of his mouth, he overcomes him. Why? His word is sufficient. Are, are you getting that point yet? His word is sufficient. I'm thankful that his word is sufficient for today. Man, I've been looking at a bunch of things in the Bible. His word is just as sufficient today. Um, Isaiah 40 and verse 8 says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand 
forever. Psalms 119.89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalms 12, 6 and 7, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Man, his word is still um, relevant today. It still has the answers for today. I love this verse here, and I didn't put it down, so let me turn there. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 11, the hall of faith telling us about all these people who accomplish things by faith and over and over and over and, uh, in it. But it comes all the way down to the end. It gives this, this great hall of faith and it comes all the way down to the end and it says, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, receive not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. What is that telling me? God's not done. Man, I can look back at the Bible and all the things that God has done, all the times his word was sufficient, and he says, but Adam, I'm not done yet. I'm still working in 2023. And if he tarries, he'll still be working in 2024. And if he tarries, until he comes, his word is sufficient. It's sufficient for you. It's sufficient for me. I mentioned this morning some verses that have meant a lot to me. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And his word is sufficient for me. I run to those verses. Uh, Psalms 91, 14 and 15, Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Verses he gave me when the girls were in the hospital. What am I saying? His word is sufficient. It's sufficient. Man, doesn't matter what I go through. Doesn't matter what the circumstance. Doesn't matter who the enemy is. His word is sufficient. His word is sufficient. Um, now, all of that was introduction. Now, the message. His word is sufficient. Am I relying on that word? Hey, one of the first verses we looked at, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, what is right, for reproof, what is wrong, for correction, how to get right, for instruction in righteousness, how to stay right. Am I relying on his word on that? Am I relying how I feel about it? What I think about it? You ever get so discouraged and bogged down in life it's like, what's even the point? Because I'm looking at what I can do. I'm not looking at the sufficiency of his word. Man, we just give in to sin. I can't win the victory over it. Because I'm looking at what I can do. Not looking at the sufficiency of his word. I'm making decisions on what I believe. What I'm going to have faith in. Because I'm looking at what I can do. I'm not looking at the sufficiency of his word. And what, is there, what area is there in our life that we're looking at what we can do, relying on our wisdom, relying on what makes sense to us, instead of relying on the sufficiency of his word? All of those things I just preached on, nothing new to you if you've been in church for a long time. Every one of those things that we could say, hey, absolutely, his word is sufficient. I doubt I preached on anything that really anyone in here would say, I don't believe that. 
So what is there in your life that you don't believe his word is sufficient for? Hey, I'll give God every other area and I'll trust him in every other area. But no one understands this in my life. His word is sufficient. I have to choose to rely on his word, to go to his word, to follow his word, for God to do a work. All of those things, you look back, that guy with leprosy, if thou will, if that guy with leprosy hadn't come to the Lord, would he have been healed? No. Man, what situation is there in our life that it's like, well, no one understands, no one knows, there's no answer for this? We have the answer right here. But he's not going to force it on us. His word is sufficient. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the power of your word. Lord, I pray that you'd help each of us to rely, to believe, to trust, to follow your word, that you could do the work in our life. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. You say, I know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. Would you raise your hand? I know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. Hank, you can put your hands down. Maybe you're in here tonight and you say, I don't know for sure. And this morning, a teen girl, she wasn't for sure. She was able to get it settled, to know for sure she's on her way to heaven before she left these doors. You say, I'm not 100% sure that I'm on my way to heaven. Would you raise your hand? You say, I'm not 100% sure. You say, tonight God spoke to my heart in some way in the message. God spoke to my heart. Would you raise your hand? Thank you. You can put your hands down. If you'd stand to your feet as the instrument begins to play, man, do business with God. Tell him maybe what area we've been holding back on. And maybe it's not necessarily an area we've been holding back on, but just, Lord, I, I, I want to see you at work more in my life.